Welcome to the MBA Roadshow, episode number 304. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me right now. He is, of course, back home in Las Vegas, still helping out, still on that grind, still doing everything we need, helping out in support of this big two-week stretch here in Fight Island. Meanwhile, of course, I'm still here in Abu Dhabi. Two events in the books already. UFC on ABC 1, UFC on ESPN 20. And now we get to UFC 257, the big one, the pay-per-view to kick things off. Poirier versus McGregor 2. And uh, listen, the pre-fight press conference is in the books. We finally got a chance to see Conor McGregor up there on the stage. We got to face off a little earlier today. We had had a chance to hear from Dustin Poirier a little. The young Mike Bond had spoken to him. Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker, good friends of the show, good friends of MMA Junkie. You know they had all been out there, so... This was the first time, though, that we got to we got to hear from Conor McGregor. We we aren't on that exclusive list with Conor anymore. <laughs> you know, we used to be. He doesn't give us that love anymore. But that's all right. No big deal. No big deal. We had a, finally had a chance to speak to him today, and we'll get to all of that in just a second. Me, I am here at the Crown Plaza. I'm here, just hanging out in my hotel room on there. You might say, "Well, John, I tuned in to hear Oscar Willis. I want to hear Hot Tea. He's from." The World MMA Award-nominated Mac Life, where is he at? Well, guess what? He's not here right now. He's going to be here, but he's not here yet. Why? Because my man is grinding right now on the live TV hit. He's over at the W. He was on Abu Dhabi TV, I believe it's called. The man was uh, the man's busy. He, he's in demand. I mean, you work at the Mac Life the week of a Conor McGregor fight week, uh, you're in demand. <laughs> so he's handling that up. I figured we'd get things started here. Do have a frosty beverage in hand. You know how we do. And he'll be joining us in just a little bit when he finishes up with the big live TV hit. The man's the man's doing things. We've seen him grow up right in front of our eyes. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this press conference, by the way. UFC 257. Hey, can I throw it out there? Nobody cares about this, right? To me, it should be McGregor versus Poirier, too. And I'm going to say, no disrespect to Dustin Poirier, the UFC likes to use the rankings, the higher-ranked guy. Uh, gets top billing. That does, that makes sense to me, except I believe if it's a rematch, whoever won the first fight should get top billing. I, this doesn't even have to do with star power. This doesn't even have to do with any Conor McGregor favoritism. I'm just going to say, I think if you won the first fight in a rematch, your name should go first. That's just me. I know that's not a big thing, but I just want to let it voice. Let the record reflect that I do not like the name of this event. <laughs> uh, all right, but let's talk about the fight itself, right? Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor, a good one. Uh, of course, you know, stylistically, it, it looks like it should be a lot of fun. We don't know what it's for yet. Is there title implications on the line? Probably, probably. I had said all along I wouldn't be shocked if the UFC decided that, hey, man, we're going to go ahead and put this up for the undisputed belt. doesn't change anything. It's still a, a pay-per-view headliner. still five rounds. Nothing would move there, right? Uh, they didn't make that call, uh, so it's not going to be for that. And, and part of that is because we don't know still yet exactly what Habib Nurmagomedov is going to do. Or do we? <laughs> we'll get to that in just a little bit as well. Um, but but kind of want to start out with getting a feel, right? What we always want to know, right, is where's Conor McGregor's head at? What is he thinking? What's he going through? Where is it? And, and, of course, you hear Dana White coming out saying, oh, this is the motivated Conor McGregor. This guy 
man, this is the one. I'm telling you, I'm having these phone conversations with him. I'm having these text messages. The things that he's asking about, this is the guy. And listen, I like Dana a lot. We have a great relationship, and I'm not saying you can't believe him, but always take it with a grain of salt, right? This is a promoter, and some people get mad and say, oh, he's lying. He's He's doing his job. He's promoting a fight. So what I wanted to know, you know, kind of going in, you want to see it with your own eyes. Where is Conor McGregor at, right? We saw last year in January when he was fighting uh, Cowboy Cerrone, we all said, man, look at this guy. High energy, positive vibes, good emotions, um, all good stuff. Where, where is, where, you know, it, it made us feel good about the direction that he was going in his commitment. And, you know, we are hearing about, oh, man, he's, he's grinding. But, of course, his team around him, what are they going to say? Is anybody in, in, in Conor McGregor's team going to say, hey, John, I, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, we can't even get the dude in the gym? No, of course not, right? Not going to say it. So you want to see it with your own eyes. That's what I love about Fight Week. That's what I love about Fight Island, not the virtual media days. And no, again, no disrespect, and, and we do what we do. Everybody's doing what we got to do to get through this damn pandemic. But I love the in-person stuff, even if it's a press conference, even if it's not up close. Um, you know, you get to find out a little bit of things. So uh, press conference kicked off as uh, as usual. It was uh, Everybody was nice enough to let me have the first questions, and I started things out uh, with Conor McGregor and, and just kind of wanted to ask what was what was driving him and, and kind of where his, his head was at. And, um, well, here's, here's what he had to say. Thanks for coming out today. We appreciate it. Who's got the first question? Conor, I'd like to start with you. Welcome back, of course. Um, First things first, I mean, this entire pandemic, I think we've wondered, what would a Conor McGregor fight be like with no crowd, and now it's limited crowd? So now that you're kind of in the building, you're getting a sense for what the atmosphere is like, and we think about you, the bright lights are on, the big crowds, that's when you perform. How does that affect your energy, your focus on fight night? I tell you what, it feels pretty good right now, you know, the crowd here. I know it's a small crowd, but it feels good, so I'm very happy to be here. Fair enough. And of course, as you said, this is a big fight, you know, pay-per-view headliner, but it's interesting. I mean, you, you have a victory over Dustin. You, there may be a title fight on the line. Maybe there's not. We don't really know. So what provided kind of your daily motivation? I mean, you know, that, that extra practice, that extra grind that you might not want to go to, what, what was providing that for you? My love for the game, my love for competition, my love for combat. Um, you know, Dustin has put on an incredible run since our last fight. It's been a long time coming. Yes, I did get the win over him the first time. Um, but, you know, he's rose right up, and he's, he's back up there at the top of the division, so I'm excited to go on and compete with him again. Fair enough. And you went out there and kind of made a pretty bold prediction. You said you think you can get it done in 60 seconds. Uh, you know, I know you have a lot of respect for him, but I wonder, I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on you, right? I mean, you, you win in the second round, or you had your decision, maybe it was a letdown. So any regrets in making that uh, prediction? Do you stand by it? You know, well, I got him out of there in 90 seconds the first time, so, I mean, I'm not that far off. But, you know, I just, that's a complete confidence in my preparation and in my abilities. I know Dustin's a hell of a competitor. He's, I know there's questions here. He's heavier. He's up on a, he's up on a different weight. Um, but he's more experienced. I feel I can do it. However, you know, there are question marks regarding conditioning and things like that. I know his team has been spouting about the conditioning and that. I have put in a lot of work to get myself correctly to the 155-pound frame. I got 40 seconds inside the octagon in 2020, which caused major frustration in my, you know, it's not enough. I need more. So I'm going to go in there, and I believe, I believe I can get him out there and possibly will hit him early and hurt him. But, you know, I, I, I hope for, for a, good long, a good long bout. 
Now, what I liked about that is the talk of the love for the game, man. I really do. I, I really do like that because, you know, and I, I've talked about it before. I didn't like the buildup to the Habib Nurmagomedov fight, the anger, the the you know the tone of it. That to me was was not fun. That to me was not good. You know, and that to me is not healthy. I don't think you can sustain that type of energy for very long. Um, it, and you know, I I just you know, to fuel a little grudge match here and there, yes. But that can't be your long-term, man. You can't be firing shots at everybody. And, you know, I've said it all along. To me, it started with the, you know, um, El Chapo press conference with RDA. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I didn't like that era of Conor McGregor. I like this era of Conor McGregor. You know, he's not the, he doesn't have to pretend like he's the, you know, excitable little kid getting a taste of the big time for the first time because he's not. I mean, the dude is the biggest superstar in the game. The dude has cash checks, but there's a passion. There's something I love about that. There's something that excites me to want to watch that. Uh, the the hatred, the animosity, yeah, it fuels a grudge match here and there, but you can't hate everybody. It, can, it can't all be terrible. It can't all be bad all the time, you know? So anyway, I, 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 I like this. Now, the other thing about it is the conditioning question, right? Like, um, you know, those, those seem to be things that um, – that are out there and and that the team seems to want to push back against. And I think that's part of the commitment level. Hey, we're loving this. And, oh, by the way, for everybody that thinks that cardio is a problem and, and all that, um, it's not. And that's I think that's key in the breakdown. It really is. Um, okay. But so that's kind of where I think Connor said. I, 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 to me, I don't want to say it's um, – I don't want to say it's vindication or I don't want to say it's proof of where everything stands. Um, but – it, it, to, to me, it's just confirmation, I guess, of, of the thing. I like to hear them firsthand. I don't always, I don't always like to hear the repeat of it or what somebody says they heard secondhand. So that to me was okay. Seems authentic. Seems seems because I, I saw the interviews. I'm sure you guys saw the interviews. You know, the Mac Life did a nice interview. Uh, I saw the uh, uh, the um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Weighing In podcast, I believe, is the name of it, with John McCarthy and Josh Thompson. So they had a nice little interview. Um, you know, kind of the same session that day. Um, I did not catch the Ariel Hawani interview, and I don't—I mean that is no disrespect. I just didn't catch that one. By that time, I'd already seen the other interviews, and I'd, I had had enough to see, especially knowing it all came from the same day. You know, the same suit, the same chair, the same everything. Uh, to me, I felt like I'd had enough of a sample size at that point. But it's always nice to me to be able to hear firsthand and to see, um, you know, kind of where the head is at. And those sessions, while I thought they were good, there were moments of those sessions that seemed a little too rehearsed for me. That seemed a little too. Conor McGregor, the product, you know, and um, that stuff always worries me a little bit because, yes, Conor McGregor has to worry about his brand. Yes, he has to worry about uh, his marketability and all that. I mean, he, he is a product in a lot of ways, uh, but I don't like that to be the chief concern, right? I, I want to know that there is a passion for the sport because Dustin Poirier is going to push you. He, he is going to uh, he's going to test you and test your love for everything. Um, all right, so – uh, that brings me to something else, though. So I'm, I'm looking for confirmation, right? We had a chance to speak to John Kavanaugh earlier in the day. He did uh, another. Oh, man, we get to do these coach sessions over here, right? We get to do um, these uh, these little scrums with talent. You know, we got to speak to Daniel Cormier today. Um, you know, we did it with John Anik and John Gooden the other day. You know, we've had Dan Hardy, Paul Felder. Didn't do Dan Hardy this time, but we've had him. I, I love those. But we've also been working in the coaches, right? So we got to speak to Mike Brown. We got to speak to John Kavanaugh. By the way, John Kavanaugh's videos is awesome. He brought in his kid. 
as kids holding a little uh, inflatable flamingo from the pool. They said that, you know, uh, Kavanaugh's family and McGregor's family had all been up at the pool with the W kind of hanging out. It's cool. I like, I like to hear that kind of stuff. But, um, and this was somebody else's question. I apologize. The, the questions, if you want to watch the whole scrum, it's on YouTube. Uh, we got it on, on, um, on MMA Junkie as well. But um, unfortunately, just the way the room is mic'd, yeah, you can hear the answers really good. You can't always hear the questions really well. You can usually hear my questions really <laughs> pretty well, but I think we all know why that is, because uh, I have a, a ridiculously loud voice. Um, but John Kavanaugh had, uh, he, he was shared, he was asked a similar question, right? Like, okay, you know, you said that Connor is back. How did you get Connor back? Like, what, what you know, kind of ground rules did you have to lay down to, to rein him back in? to get him all, uh, you know, back uh, 100% focused the way everybody says he is. Now, this was before the press conference. It was a couple hours before, still earlier today, but it was before we got over there. And this is what uh, John Kavanaugh had to say, and I thought it jived really, really well with what we heard uh, from Connor uh, at the press conference. Here's, here's what John Kavanaugh said. Um, well, I, like most things, uh, the answer must come from within. You know, the, the decision must be made by the self. If somebody barking at you or trying to motivate you or trying to convince you of something it's never going to work unless you do and he for whatever reason had this realization I, I there's a great um alan watts uh speech on youtube you can watch it at some stage yourself and he talks about when people get fame or money and and you initially you take somebody through a process well what are you going to do with it well i'm going to buy this and i'm going to travel here okay and then what will you do well, then I want to go to this place and I want to eat that food. And I want, okay, and then what will you do? And eventually you come back to being where I want to do something that makes me happy. And, okay, well, what is that? What is it that you like? Fighting. He likes fighting. He likes competition. He likes martial arts. And I think he's really stripped away everything else and still enjoys his uh, shiny things every now and again. But I think what really gives him drive and passion and enjoyment, right now he's beginning a cutting process and that's the man that has... Probably more money than all of us in this room combined, and yet he's going to put, him tra- put himself through that process. Why? What's, what's the benefit? Another belt? He's got belts. Another win? He's had big wins. So why? Love, enjoyment, fun. Mo- that's, that's what he wants to do, clearly. All right, so there you go. Uh, that was John Kavanaugh. To me, man, I hear those two things simultaneous, and I think, man, maybe this Connor is in a good spot. You know what I mean? Maybe this Connor. Uh, and it's always weird, right? We talk about motivation and passion and all that, but listen, mindset means a lot, and and it really does. Psychology and mentality in the sport means way more than I think a lot of people want to give um, credence to. It, it isn't intangible in a lot of ways, right? It's just us, you know. At the end of the day, if one if one guy is clearly the better fighter and the other guy is not, or their skills match up in a terrible way for one of the fighters. But that guy's motivated, and the other guy, okay, now, all right, now we're talking about, but when you're talking about these guys at the very, very top, at the very, very top, you ask, what does the mentality mean? How much does it, does it, uh, does it factor in? Um, it does. It really, really does. And, um, again, I, I mentioned quickly, I'll, I'll just play this also uh, before, uh, before we bring in the man uh, of the hour, hot tea. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share to you what uh, Daniel Cormier had to say on the matter as well, because I asked him too uh, this morning as he was there. You know, are we making too much out of this? Are we, are we, uh, 
you know, do we play too much into this sometimes? Because sometimes, I mean, look, as reporters, we're looking for stories. We're looking for discussion points, and I get that. I said, do, you know, do we worry too much about this stuff? And, and uh, you know, or does mentality really have a big change or a big effect in these types of fights? And here's what Daniel Cormier had to say, who, listen, uh, I, I like Daniel Cormier a lot, man, as an analyst, um, you know, obviously as a veteran, but the guy, the, I, I trust his opinion. I do. I trust his opinion. Um, you know, he'll go a little pro wrestling sometimes and have a little fun with it, but when you're talking about the X's and O's and everything that surrounds a fight, um, he's, he's pretty trustworthy, and here's what he had to say. We're talking about two of the greatest athletes in the world, right? Yeah. The greatest fighters on the planet. How much of that mental side of it really does factor in? It's insane. It's insane. I think, you know, thinking back to your fight career and, and, and the positions that I was in, as a guy that fought a guy twice after winning and then fighting the guy twice or a third time after losing. When you lose to a guy, especially a guy that you had, even even though now it may seem a little bit less uh, nasty, it was nasty initially, and you had that with him, you're never more motivated than the time you get a chance to fight him again. So if that stays the way it has been, especially in my case, Dustin Poirier will feel and be more prepared than he ever could have imagined come Saturday night. But it's it is very important for him, and I've said I mean, I've said this on multiple occasions. The mental aspect of this game for Dustin is probably the biggest factor because he has to figure out how to look past what happened the first time. Because all week or for the last month Right, because it's Conor McGregor, so the the promotion is much longer, right? People pick it up faster. Um, Dustin has seen himself get knocked out, I mean, a thousand times, right? In every promotion, there's Dustin getting knocked out. Every time he, every time Conor speaks, he talks about knocking him out, right? It's just a constant reminder. So you got to get over that as an athlete. Yeah, sure, you knocked me out the first time. But can you do it again? So I, I think this this game is so important inside the game. Yeah. Before we get to the fight, how does Dustin prepare himself up top to approach Saturday? It's 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 fascinating. All right, so there you go, Daniel Cormier, his thoughts on it. Now, um, wanted to speak to Dustin Poirier a little bit as well. Um, he had done some some interviews with Mike and in, in, uh, earlier, so th- those have been up on MMA Junkie. I think. Um, you know, we've had a couple little things with him, but, um, you know, always, always good to hear. Um, I will say the overall energy of the press conference, I think everybody looked a little bit tired, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I think media looked tired. I think some of the fighters looked tired. So it wasn't the highest energy press conference ever, but I'm um, still always valuable to get some questions in. Um, but, you know, this, this press conference was scheduled to start at 5 p.m. To be honest with you, I think that's when most of the fighters are going to sleep. Uh, of course, it's Thursday night. They're starting their weight cut, uh, as, as you do. Um, but just so you know and understand kind of what's going on here. So we did the press conference at 5 p.m. local. Uh, the fighters will be on stage at 3 p.m. local uh, for the official weigh-ins. So they, the official weigh-ins run from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. local time on Friday. And then the ceremonial. So we're actually going to do ceremonials. Remember, we got fans in the building. we got the big stage. We're inside Eddie Hot Arena. Uh, the, the ceremonial face-offs will be at 7 p.m. Or ceremonial weigh-ins. I guess, maybe, you know what? I don't even know. I guess we're going to do the whole thing where they bring them back out and put them on the scale. God, it's been so long since we've done that. <laughs> I just realized that. In my head, I thought, well, they'll get together in their face-off. They're not just going to face-off. They're going to do the uh, 
the whole fake get on the scale thing again too. <laughs> Man, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like we're back in March. Um, so they're gonna do that at 7 p.m. on Friday night. Now, then, now this is crazy. Uh, it's gonna be about 36 hours between the official weigh-ins and the fights um, for I think most of the fighters. So just so you understand. So this is local time. Unlike that when Habib and Poirier fought. Uh, or even Habib and Gaethje, this is local time. So uh, local time back in North America, I should say. So this is the middle of the night here. Wait, was Habib Gaethje? Dude, I've totally lost it now. I'm sorry. I know Habib Poirier was local. Yeah, Habib Gaethje was local too, right? Yeah, of course. It was a special time. That's right, because they thought it was going to be huge. It didn't do as big a numbers as they thought it would, um, and that was because of the time. So this one, by the way, 3.15 a.m. on Sunday morning um, is when – the first prelim start 5 a.m. is the, uh, the 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 main prelims, if you will, and then 7 a.m. Sunday morning is when the main card will go live. So 36 hours in between ceremonial weigh-in start and the main card live. So I think you know you may have heard Conor McGregor talking about getting two sleeps, uh, getting an extra little bit of rest. That's what he meant. Okay, so uh, plenty of time in between for people to rehydrate, to get back up, to rest. But I think they were a, a little bit tired tonight. But anyway, so I wanted to ask uh, Dustin Poirier. And listen, man, he's been asked everything at this point. But the one thing I did want to ask him is if this rematch was personal. Not so much personal, personal. Because these guys have shown some camaraderie and that sort of thing. But um, and I, you know, I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm a pot stir and I wasn't trying to do that. Um, but, you know, these two guys met early in their careers, right, six years ago. And in that six years since, Conor McGregor has gotten incredibly wealthy, right? I mean, the $100 million payday with Floyd Mayweather, the, um, you know, the whiskey brand that's that's uh, that's distributed around the world, you know, that, um, I mean, listen, man, you talk about setting yourself up for some post-career finances, man. Liquor brands can make insane cash. I mean, not only do they generate revenue, Everybody drinks, right? I mean, not, so not only do they generate revenue, um, but, you know, sometimes you can sell them. And, you know, there's been celebrity alcohol brands that have sold for a billion dollars um, in recent times. You know, now I don't know how much of the company he owns and finances and all that, but safe to say, safe to say he would make some money. So anyway, Dustin Poirier doesn't have any of that. Um, so anyway, I kind of want to ask him about that to see, you know, is this personal? And you found out really quick it wasn't. And then not only did it not get personal, um, Conor McGregor <laughs> says, hey, that hot sauce brand might be something. Uh, this was a good moment. This was a good moment. Here's, here, here's how it all played out. And, Dust, I know that you've you know committed your life to this game, right, sacrificed everything. You, you never had a $100 million boxing match, you know what I mean? You, know, you don't have a whiskey brand that's distributed around the world. I know you like the saying, 25 minutes to make life fair. Does that apply? I mean, do you feel like there's a, a chip on your shoulder? I mean, you guys have had this kind of parallel life, but it's gone different. Do you walk in there with a little chip on your shoulder? Every fight is a, is a, a chip on my shoulder. I'm trying to prove something. I'm trying to, uh, the work that I put in, I'm trying to make it pay off. I'm trying to put my family in a better position, and this is no different. I know what a win over Conor McGregor means in combat sports, and I know that whoever wins this fight is fighting for gold, and that's why I fight. Fair enough. Thank you, Dustin. Just one last one for, for Dana, please. Dana, obviously, this is a massive uh, pay-per-view. Uh, sir, you've got the hot sauce, Dustin. I'm actually very ex I, I want I'd love to taste the hot sauce. I got a bottle for you. I appreciate that. I've got a bottle of proper for you. I'd love to share that. That's, so, you know what I mean? He's putting in the work. I've been highly impressed. I think the whole business has been highly impressed. 
after that loss many many years ago he rose up became champion he's given so much back i'm honored to share this octagon with this man i know we have this competitive fire and it's still there there's still that ah, in us you know there's no denying that we we have a clash and it's going to be a good firework filled bout and um, but the respect is admirable for this man from me i i uh don't want to make it seem like we're up here giving each other back massages, but Connors, I just want to clear the air. Connors' team, uh, McGregor Sports Entertainment, did reach out to my foundation, and they are, uh, you know, starting the donation to the Good Fight Foundation, and we have huge, huge plans for that. So, Connor, man to man. My pleasure, brother. My pleasure. Thank you. You're going to help a lot of people yes, with that. Yes, and you, you. Maybe you can help them with the distribution deal for the hot sauce. Of course, of course, no problem. I got a taste of force though, you know, I don't put my name to something unless it's the proper, you know what I mean, unless it's the finest. I got you. You'll taste it Sunday morning, then I'll give you a bottle after, yeah? It's perfect. So a little bit of kumbaya up there, right? Everybody's on the same page, everybody's happy. Um, and, you know, afterwards, you know, I heard some, ah, press conference, a little low energy. Press conference was, you know, maybe you didn't go to those massive viral moments. Maybe you didn't get those big ones where you thought, oh, man, here we go. This is, you know, this is, this is the headline. This is the social clip. This is the one that's going to go everywhere. Yeah, you didn't get that. But to me, I'm okay with that, man. And, and maybe I'm old. <laughs> I'm not trying to say there shouldn't be heat. I'm not trying to say there shouldn't be rivalry. And, oh, by the way, the face-offs, still tense. I mean, Make no mistake about it. We might all be on the same page and buddies, but we're going to try to knock each other out. You know what I'm saying? So uh, clearly that was there. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with good sportsmanship, man, and just passion for the game. And let's go do this. And I'm trying to be the best I can, but I don't got to hate you to do it. Um, like I said, maybe I'm just old. But that, that set the stage for me. And that's kind of where we are. One more little clip I want to share for you, uh, and then we'll bring in Hati. His, his, uh, his TV spot is wrapping up, and he is en route to the Crown Plaza now. He was over there at the W where all the fancy people are hanging out. He's en route to the more humble uh, the, the humble abode here at the Crown Plaza, and we'll get his take on everything Conor McGregor and USC 257. Uh, I know he, he always uh, is so gracious with his time helping me break down these fights. Um, but I did have one other question, and it was about piracy. And uh, you'll remember it was actually Oscar Willis who, who brought up the piracy thing with Dana White a couple weeks ago uh, when we first got here. You know, him and I both had one-on-ones with Dana White. And, and uh, man, you know, Dana got uh, pretty worked up. And in the time since, I, I, uh, I heard a little bit more. So I asked Dana about it, and I'll, I'll let you hear his response first. And then I'll tell you a little bit more about what I heard behind the scenes. Dane, I just want to ask you, like I said, I mean, this is a huge pay-per-view event to kick off the year. Uh, you kind of stirred the pot a little bit with the, uh, the piracy, the online streamers. They, they want to come after you and, yeah. and give this thing away. So oh. any, reg any regret? No, it kind no, of made no, me stir no, the no, pot no. a little bit? I'm glad you asked me about that because um, we got one. We got him. We're watching this guy right now. All you have to do is turn it on on Saturday, and we got you, fucker. I can't wait. Turn it on on Saturday, streamers, and see what happens. Thank you for asking me that question. All right, that was USC President Dana White. I'm going to comment on that in just a moment, but I must clarify. Two very important things have happened in the span of that little clip. First, I have relocated, okay? I have relocated to the office Long-time listeners of the MMA Roadshow will know all about Stills. It is the traditional home of the MMA Roadshow in Abu Dhabi on Fight Island. 
which no longer has drink specials. However, it just seemed wrong to not do any episode whatsoever from here. So I have made that move downstairs while that clip was going on. That's the minor development. The major development, of course, is the live TV hit is over. Uh, he has been released from his network television commitments. Hot tea, Oscar Willis, the man of the hour, has joined us here. Well, you know, you don't want to forget the little people, John. You I know. know, okay, so I did my first live TV hit. That's no big deal. That's right, no whatever. Right, of course. And, you know, I, people are saying it's a smash hit. And I, it's, wrong Already. Me, it's wrong for me to say that I'm the Jesus of MMA media, but if other people are saying that, that's fine. And so, but I thought it was important to come and, and, and give some love to the platform. No, it really is, man. And I want to say that I, I was talking to your people while you were on the way over here, and they explained yeah. to me that, listen, Oscar is in very high demand right now. Hot tea. In fact, he. He doesn't even really want to be known as Hot Tea anymore. Excuse That's me, kind it's, of it, it, it's Hot Tea TM. If you don't <laughs> mind. Sorry, he's, he's kind of in demand right now. Um, can you keep it snappy? Can you keep it quick? He's got a lot going on. I, I said, listen, I, I, I promise you I will do so. Yeah, listen, hey, look, I canceled Oprah. I canceled Conan. Okay, these motherfuckers, they don't know where it came from. So, <laughs> you know, we're in stills, and, and I thought, hey, let's show, show the, the homie some love. I appreciate that. It does feel good to be back. By the way, I should say, uh, the man that has become uh, kind of – one of our road dogs during the uh, during the pandemic area, Jose Youngs is here as well. He swears to me he works for a major MMA website. <laughs> I still don't believe him, but he apparently keeps getting. I credentials see no evidence somehow. of that, John. None whatsoever. But he's getting credentials. I see him at press conferences. He says it's some kind of major MMA site. I mean, to be fair, John, he's not the only person I don't think deserves a uh, credential. <sighs> we won't even go into that right now. All right, let's. So listen, uh, <laughs> while you were busy, uh, you know, on your on your network television hit, you know, the the. The bell of the ball of the Middle East here. Still don't know what channel it is, by the way. Oh, it's, it's, it was in my hotel. I could see it in my hotel room. Cool. Um, all right, listen. Uh, so I've been talking a lot about this press conference, about kind of the whole setup and the feel of everything. I'll start first that I don't think you shared my love, I think, for the press conference. Um, I do admit, and I still say, you know, I kind of went through the whole sleep schedule and the schedule and all that. And I do think, I, to be honest, I think the guys up there were just a little bit tired. We did have fans in the building. Uh, it didn't necessarily – it wasn't a lot of fans in the building. And they made a little bit of noise. They they booed me during one specific portion that we won't talk about in this particular <laughs> moment. They did boo me about that. Um, but it wasn't super loud. Um, I, I will say uh, the chairs at Eddie Hot Arena, the seats, incredibly comfortable. Felt like a mother's touch. Incredibly comfortable. I felt so smooth. All right. So, I, But I liked it. I enjoy – I know you. You, you like – you like the spice. Yeah. You like a little flavor. There wasn't a lot of flavor. It was more of like mutual respect and that sort of thing. So let's just start there. We got a lot to talk about, but let's just start there. Um, am I right that you didn't you didn't walk away from the press conference? Because I did. I liked it. I I like this respect. I like the fact that we're just getting. I like the fact that we're just getting fights. We're getting good fights between people that don't hate each other. But I know you. <laughs> you like you you you, you want to know what the headline's going to be. So yeah. what did you walk away uh, with the feeling of? If I'm not seeing it, I want to be instigating it. No, right. uh, listen. I think uh, I've taken a, a you know some time to digest it. I think that first of all, in my opinion, the fans were something of a non-factor. Really, they they were so few and they were so spread out that they really couldn't generate the noise to really affect proceedings. I think sometimes they punctuated a statement with a cheer yes, or, yes, or yes. They, they belittled you with a boo. Um, 
justifiably. But uh, Just clearly, yeah, but uh, they really—it's not like those glory days of New York, right? Where you hear quiet. the hooting and the hollering yes. and the, they're—I mean—they're talking and like you got to speak over them. Yeah, to, no, yeah. no, no. It, 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 so to me, the fans were a non-factor. So I think it, it, with that in mind, I would act as if they weren't even there, to be honest. And also, right. I think maybe in this region. It's not like the New York fans who want to be vocal at every single opportunity. I think a lot of time, because there was few fans, it was almost like they actually just wanted to listen. It was like they were watching it on the computer, but live. I felt like a lot of times they were... I'm sure it feels weird to them. In fact, I didn't even thought about it. I'm sure... I mean, it felt weird to us. Yeah. I'm sure it felt weird to them. Like, they they were just... I think they were just... Instead of considering them like the general fans, I think... they felt more like they were like VIPs that happened to get a seat at a press conference. Sure. So the fans are a non-factor. Um... as far as the dynamic between the four men on stage, look, I, would I have enjoyed a bit of a bit of spice, as it were? Yeah, but I can also take time to appreciate human growth. You know, to, to s- tell you what, if this was the first time Connor and Dustin had ever interacted, mm-hmm. I'd have found it pretty pretty mundane. Right. But the fact that we saw them back in the day being young men, overly aggressive, to see them now as like mature adults. I can appreciate that transformation and I can appreciate that as a viewer. Um, I actually thought the winner of, quote unquote, the winner of today's press conference was Dan Hooker and he had like three things to say. He actually had some great things to and say. And I, I just think he kind of pulled it away and I think some people are, to, I, I get a lot of texts like, oh, is, is Connor like not the same guy anymore? And I think he's grown up, but you have to remember who he's fighting, right? Yeah. Cowboy. How can you not love Cowboy? We both fans of, of the show know we both love Cowboy. Dustin has turned into one of the most fan-friendly guys in the sport. I mean, put let, let let's see Connor. Let's let's hold our ti- our, our tongues for now. Let's see him booked against a Gaethje or someone like that, and and then we'll see. But I think uh, I think it was it was a bit lackluster, perhaps. But I think you had a great point in the timing was like possibly the worst timing they could have had. I know. I think. Look, let's be honest. They're all pretty, maybe with the exception of Chandler, they're all pretty big dudes for 155. And I'm pretty sure, like, I, sure. I, I felt I could see Connor kind of sunken in. I felt I could see Poye kind of sunken in. You know, look, it's Thursday. They have a weight cut in 12 hours-ish. Yeah. So I think that's probably playing a factor. I think the general sense I got was fatigue, but they were happy to be there. So I can't criticize it too much, but it just wasn't the fireworks I felt needed to sell the fight, that last extra kick. Yeah, I agree. It's not going to have that big, uh, okay, I wasn't thinking about now I'm definitely in. You don't have that big moment that I'm that I'm sure you'd like. But Connor still is a massive star. Connor is, of the course. The face-off was quite tasty. The, that's what I said. The face-off, the, the tension's still there. Did you, did you hear the audio from Dana's thing yet? No, I haven't heard it. So w- they were talking to each other. Uh, and I kind of the face off was kind of what it is. That must have been in the network television control room. You see, I was just sitting in my hotel room. <laughs> you know, sorry, I mean, I'm man. crowded in that little tiny space. No, I, forget about, I forget about the scrubs, There you are bro. at the network television the broadcast. I'm sure the the officials were oh, going over. No, no, over no, no. Sorry, sorry, I got you. Dana texted it to me directly. Got it. Um, no, no. But, so the audio from Dana's, you know, he has that camera right above his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. When they got together. It's quite funny because Poirier's like trying to stare directly in Connor's eyes and Connor's like eyes are darting all over his face like trying to take everything in and then Connor just says something like, you know what it is. You know what it is when we're in there. The swing. Oh. And that was it. So I saw that and I was like, that's not bad. Okay, so hold on. is that All right, so let's interpret that. You know what it is, meaning it's just, hey, 
hey, we, we're friends, but we know we're not friends once it gets going? Or is that is that the big brother? You, you know, know what it is. You, I, know, you know what happens when I swing and I hit you in that temple. I think that's how I take it. Yeah. Because at first I thought he was saying, you know what it is. We're here to put on a show. Right. But then the more I watched it, the more I realized I think he was saying, you know what it is. Like, you, you, you know what we're both here to do and you know which role you're taking. Mm. That's how I took it. So when I watched that, I was like, okay, the face-off was quite tasty. Um, I also, incidentally, speaking of face-offs, very much enjoyed uh, Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler facing off with Conor McGregor screaming advice from the Let's side. Let's get it, boys. Let's get it. Show them what it's about. Oh, Show man. them what it's about. I enjoyed that, too. I was like, there he is. Okay, so, so that's what I want to get into as well. I mean, listen. Uh, let's make it clear right away. I mean, of course, everybody listening understands you work for the Mac Life. There are always going to be a little bit of limitations on what you can and can't say. Uh, unfortunately, this podcast has found out that sometimes if you say the wrong things, your, your position <laughs> doesn't work out uh, anymore. And we're not fast that. So I'm not asking that. So, I mean, it's not like you're going to, uh, you know, reveal the crown jewels or whatever. But, I, that, boy, that sounded – I don't even know what that meant. Uh, but what I'm saying <laughs> I <did>. But <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is – I kind of spent the time while you were busy, you know, being beamed live to the entire world, mm. Uh, mm. Uh, 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 you know, about yeah. what this went. I, I, all this stuff about Connor being focused, all this stuff about Connor being passionate about the sport, all this stuff about Connor really wanting, I'll be honest with you, even the whole like schedule thing ahead of, ahead of the, the, the cowboy fight, like, I don't know how much I thought it was posturing and positioning and all this um but especially looking at the landscape right now and 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 and, you know i played the audio from john cavanaugh that we had earlier which i thought was very much in step with what with what connor had to say i don't know man like i buy it like i honestly believe like look and i love man i love those quotes from cavanaugh earlier and and and, and i thought like it's passion like i thought that was so great you know you, you make all the money. What do you want to do? You want to go spend it. You want to do this. You want to do that. And then at some point, you do it, you do it, you do it, you do it, you do it. And then you go, oh, sure. Yeah. What, do I, what do I want to do? I honestly feel like, dude, he wants this fight. He's out there talking about Max Holloway. He's out there talking about one. And, 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 and normally, when, I, when he's having these conversations, I feel like it's all just marketing. It's all yeah, just yeah. let me create options. Let me build pathways for myself. Normally, that's what I feel. Again, maybe I'm wrong, and, and, and you tell me. I mean, obviously, you you're, you're, you got your finger on the pulse. This all seems very legit to me. I feel like this is a dude that is motivated, passionate, happy to be back in the sport, and that excites me because I'm going to tell you right now, I know this necessarily won't be in step um, with, with the Conor McGregor camp, so I'm not asking you to say this. I don't care about a Manny Pacquiao fight. Now, I know it would make Conor a lot of money, so – I can't hate on him for it. Like, if he goes and does it, it's not like I'll be like, oh, he's he's turning his back on us. Like, bro, go do your thing, man. You can do it. But I would love to see him just I, w- get that Holloway rematch. You know, tr- try to call Habib out. Do, do whatever you can. But I, this all feels very genuine to me. This does not feel like marketing. Well, we'll address the, the last thing you said first. The Pacquiao thing, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but I will say – I'm, when I heard Connor say something like, I want to do replicate the run I did at featherweight at lightweight, that excites me. That's what I want from him. That's what I think fans want from him. I think hearing that should make us all excited. Now, listen, some things have been said. They never come to fruition. So, okay, I can understand some people's reluctance to sort of buy into it. 
But Kavanaugh, it was actually, I, I don't know if you played this particular part of the audio earlier today. So, uh, but no, it's busy on network television. Yeah, I, I was busy. I was, I, 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 actually, i tell you what. Network television asked me, like, sort of, in different sort of a way, they, it was kind of scrambled. But they were saying, you know, what motivates him now? I can't tell you what motivates Conor to fight anymore. I, 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 I can't tell you because he has so much money. He has a very happy family. He has a luxurious life. And yet, it's not like he shows up to the gym and has a, a fight at the gym and then disappears. He goes through a rigorous, like probably, you know, the the more money he gets, the more intense his training camps get because of the more science and and, and attention goes into his training right. camps. So he's going through these insane training camps to fight. What is his motivation? I don't know. But is he motivated? He surely must be because why? Like the guy just did a training camp over Christmas. Yeah. He did. He just did a training camp over Christmas. He didn't eat. He's cutting down weight for the first time in years. So, what motivates him? I can't tell. The fact he is motivated, I think, is undeniable, man. Like, because otherwise you just wouldn't bother your fucking ass if you really wanted to compete in a way. With the money he had, you would schedule fights against dudes you could easily beat. You, if you, you know, Connor's rich enough now that he didn't need to take another UFC fight. He could probably just schedule a fight in his home, in his back garden, with a random dude he felt like fighting. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I'll pay him ten grand if he comes and fights me. He's at that stage of his life. The fact he would go through a camp this rigorous over Christmas shows he's motivated. The only thing I can attest it to is. And it sounds like a cliche. It sounds like I'm pulling the company line, but clearly he loves this shit. Yeah. Like clearly he just loves this shit. I remember a quote he said, and I think it's probably more applicable today than we realize. And I should have fucking asked him about it in the interview we did, and I forgot to do so. He once said, "You took out all this media bullshit and gave me four months. I'd wipe out the division." Right. I remember I, that. I guarantee he feels the same about 155. I, I guarantee that. he feels the same. Very take tough. out all this bullshit and give me four months. I'll go through all of them. I guarantee you feel the same. It's yeah. you know I, I didn't play this part and I'm, I'll go back to the Kavanaugh thing. I didn't play this part either, but I'll say that you know people want to go check that out. Check it out because Kavanaugh is a very insightful guy, man. And, and I'll tell you this as well. Yeah, Kavanaugh's insightful. He's often holds his cards close to his chest, and I felt today. He was a lot more open with I the media than I've seen agree. him in a very very long time. I completely agree with that. I thought it was a fantastic interview, and uh, I thought. Another insightful part was when he was talking about, you know, and I mentioned earlier the fact that he came down with his with his kid in the pool. But I think that's what I think that's what chilled him. That's what I'm saying. The whole f- and he said like the families were there to get like, and I thought he said something great, man. When he was like, I remember getting to the UFC. I remember when this ride started, and then he's like, I don't remember any of it like in between. It was just so, and now I'm trying to pause and savor this and remember it and 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 live the moment. And listen, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get too deep and stuff like here. I think kind of all of us have done that to a degree. Like the pandemic changed everything 100%. for us all. But I feel like Connor's in that same position too. I guarantee you Connor's in the same – but maybe not because that dude has a unique brain, right? But I guarantee you Connor remembers every bit of that grind, every bit of that drive to the top. And then it got to a part where, as I said, I don't think it was fun at some points. I think it was dark. I think it wasn't great. And I think he's trying to save that too. And again – we're talking about emotions and feelings, and I know this is the fight business, but that stuff to me is all – that's that all is part of the story and matters to me. And I feel like Connor is in that moment too. Like he's like, okay, hold on. I had this skyrocket ride, but now I want to savor it and enjoy it and, and be a part of it, you know? Well, I think it's 
it, this is the problem with Connor. He's so frequently discussed, uh, as in people discuss him, not disgusted, but he's so frequently discussed that it, everything you say about him becomes a cliche. But right. I, 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 I do think sometimes it's important to take note. He probably was unemployed and broke, and then three years later, and we're talking in his 20s, by yes. the way, not in his 40s, three years later was able to get whatever the fuck he wanted. Yeah. I don't think that's a very natural human transformation to have in that short period of time. So I think it's very understandable true. why if he, you know, he goes from three years of being unemployed to knocking out Jose Aldo, why you'd go a little bit mental. And then I think if you go in a bit, a little bit mental, you'd think, why do I have to continue? And then you, you lose the passion and it dies for a bit. And so in a way, I think Dana White said this, maybe the enforced time away from it has actually been a help. It's reminded him, I don't want to just sit on the couch and do nothing. So I find that fascinating. In terms of uh, the last thing I say about John Kavanagh, in terms of the team and their dynamic and the way they've changed, it's not like I'm I'm great friends with John Kavanagh, but when I see John, he and I would talk and we'd have yeah. a little catch up and stuff. And he's obviously had the baby now. And I remember talking to him and. and like John Kavanaugh like loves his baby, you know, like new oh, yeah. father, like he fucking loves that. I kid. mean, brought him into. I mean, look, it's not like there wasn't anybody else to watch the kid today. Yeah, he yeah, wanted yeah. him to be, and I've, you, you, you know, yeah. I've done obviously I've done the same thing yeah. where I brought my kid on the camera, like, and I do it only because I love him and I want the world to but, see I love him. That's he, that's he, what he did. Yeah, the first time I bumped into him in the hotel lobby, he was holding the kid. All that was upstairs, he had the yeah. kid. I was like, damn, he loves the kid. And I just remember talking to him. I was like, how's things going? And and he brought like he brought up. Oh, you know what's really funny? Like, Connor Jr. is a real rambunctious kid, but when he's with my kid, he's calm. He looks <laughs> after him. And it was, like, kind of a beautiful moment. I, I said, like, you know, isn't it it's crazy how things change? And he was just like, oh, man, you have no idea. And it, it, like we spoke about earlier in terms of the press conference and the dynamic there, the evolution of these guys. You know, it, it's funny. We, we talk about athletes a lot, and I think we forget their ages. I mean, I'm not talking just MMA. I think soccer as well. We talk about soccer players, and then you go, Shit, that guy's. I, I remember. Twenty three. Yeah, like I, I, <laughs> seriously, I remember. I remember an eye opening moment where it was John Jones versus Dominic Reyes in February of last year. It was at the media day, and he was. And I suddenly realised, like, dude, he. I was like twenty seven, and he'd won his world title at twenty one, and made loads of fuck ups. I was like, well, no wonder he made loads of fuck ups. Oh, he was twenty one. He's allowed. And I remember. How would you act? I acted like an idiot at 21, being broken. I'm 29. I'm still doing it, John. Yeah. I just don't have the money to be famous yet. Yeah. Well, actually, that's not true after today. Obviously. After everything yeah. has changed. But yeah, so I think sometimes we talk about athletes as if their age doesn't matter. Connor was a young man when he was doing his shit. He's 32 now. He's starting to get to grips with it. He's a family, and I, I think that's. I don't. I don't forget what we we're talking about. But I think that's. To me, the dynamic of this is two men who's grown up. I'm gonna tell you something funny. And again not to get too crazy out there. I mean, we're talking about a fight, but we're talking about time frames and life changes and all this. Check this out. My son was born May 12th. Oh, wrong one. Sorry about that. I drank oh, the just, straight vodka. Just the straight vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Put a little mixer in there. My son was born May 12th, 2012. May 12th, 2012. At that time, Conor McGregor had not yet won a single Cage Warriors title. In 2012? He won his first Cage Warriors title in June 2012, his second Cage Warriors title in December 2012, and then he debuted for the UFC in April 2013. So you talk about that transformation. I mean, imagine that. I, I can remember clearly when my son was born, of course, you know, and I've watched him become a I, – I, 
Connor's career has grown alongside my son. <laughs> now, I'm not saying, but it's just funny when you put it in terms like that. I mean, obviously, that's a very specific term to me. But, yeah. but that's so wild to see the guy hadn't even had a Cage Warriors title yet, and now he's, you know, not only is he the biggest star in the sport, but already had the rise, the fall, the rise back uh, up. I you think, know, it's I amazing. Th I think because the guy's – again, we'll, we'll leave it at this brief point. I think because the guy generates so many column inches and is so talked about, not I, I don't think it's even just by himself. I think the fact that we reporters are guilty of asking every other fucker in the sport, what do you think about Connor? Right. You hear his name so often, it feels like he's been around forever. And actually – in fact, the years he's been around, it's not actually representative of how many fights he's had because he's had barely any fucking fights right. either. Right. So I think his rise is more astronomical than we could probably appreciate. It's unbelievable. All right, listen, I, I want to get to one last piece of audio that I pulled aside. Um, this is the, the press conference, uh, everybody involved, talking about Habib Nurmagomedov, the, 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 the looming specter that what? is Habib Nurmagomedov. Now, this, this series of questions will start – uh, again, with Jose Youngs, who's right here, I don't even know how he got a microphone. I'm not even sure. Again, says time, he works for a major website. It's like the time in New York when the fan got one screen. That's probably it. I don't know. I mean, he I mean, he started, and this guy brought a very reasonable question and, and brought it up. I thought it was smart. You followed up after, Oscar, which obviously <laughs> that's what we were all waiting on was the Mac life to chime in. And uh, the, uh, <laughs> some do that. Some some do that. Uh, I think works for ESPN. I'm not sure. Anyway, that's what we got. All it's anything. This is uh, this is some of the conversation from the press conference about Habib Nurmagomedov. Uh, Habib did an interview yesterday saying uh, he still doesn't want to make his mom upset by returning. Have you seen that interview? And have you spoken to him again since your initial conversation? I told you guys. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens this week. We'll get him. We'll get him. <laughs> Hey, Connor, out of the available lightweights to you right now, is Dustin the hardest challenge you could be facing? I think so, yeah. You know, I'll always go, I'll always look to get the highest challenge. Dustin has a win over Hooker, who's on stage here. Uh, you know, he, has a win, he knocked out Justin. So there, there's some high contenders already. Um, Justin, in turn, knocked out Tony, who was another contender. So I think I'm, I think I'm right at the top here, you know. I would make the case if that man is continuing to, to, to dodge this and dodge the commitment of competing again, the title should be stripped and we should be engaging in a, fight, a title fight. You know, so. But I'm sure it will happen after this bout. I'm interested to hear what the, what the excuses or what will be said after the fight, but I, I predict a title strip. Um, I wouldn't say that the uh, security team was necessarily concerned about it, but they were very aware that you were going to be in the uh, hotel this week at the same time as Habib. And I was just wondering if, uh, if that is still a uh, warranted concern, or I mean, have you guys passed that part of your relationship that you could be in the lobby of a, of a hotel and we wouldn't have to worry about anything happening between you guys? You know, all of those events were two, uh, 2018. It's now 2021. Um, what I will say is as long as, as long as we fight again, there'll be no issue. And that's it. You know, if, we, if, if he continues to run, well, I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. All right. So, so there it was, the whole discussion about Habib Nurmagomedov and, and what's happening. And, uh, well, I'll just throw it out there. I mean, Connor knows what's up. Uh, for him to say, and I'm not trying to disrespect Dana, as I said earlier, Dana and I have a great relationship. <laughs> uh, but I think we all kind of felt the same way, right? Like when, 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 when Dana was like, hey, he said just – you know, be wild and show me, and then we'll go. 
Habib never said that. <laughs> Habib never said that. And, and, and maybe he said something no, to no, the no. effect. I, I think he said that. I think he said that as he was leaving the room to end the conversation. <laughs> and he was like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, if they show me something special, I'll yeah. think about it. And then he went, see what he just said? <laughs> they show him something special. I think that's what it was. But you know what? I love, I love, again, we're talking about growth. We're talking about all this. I love the fact that, 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 that Connor is saying, now he did throw out the thing. He said, listen, as long as we fight again, it's all good. If we don't <laughs> fight again, you know. But but I love the face. Look, if I got to move past that, I got to move past it. But I think this should be, you know, I think this is what should happen. I think this is uh, this should be there at some point. And I don't know. I, uh, I you know what? I, I'm I'm surprised myself that I'm even saying this. I would like to see that fight again under a different set of circumstances and build up. I was so burned out. By the way that I'm very surprised you're saying that too because I've never heard you say anything. It's the first time I was, and I'm thinking about it in my head. And I know this may sound dumb. I'm sure there's people are going to listen to this and be like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, just because somebody, yeah, dude, I was so exhausted by the build up to that fight that I didn't, I didn't enjoy it, man. I didn't, and now, I don't know, man. I, I, I felt like Connor didn't even, and I don't want to say he didn't care, but it, it wasn't even any more about the contest. It wasn't even any more about the fight. It was about, you know, the brand, the, 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 the build, the sell. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if they fought now, it wouldn't be like, let's make this the biggest selling pay-per-view of all time. It would be like, let me see, let me show the world that I can win. I'm not going to say who, but someone, someone once told me, that fight with Khabib was the worst thing to happen to Connor uh, athletically. The best thing to happen to him business-wise, because proper t- because proper twelve came out at that time. Interesting. It's the best thing to happen to that whiskey because of how hard he promoted it. He had a sh- he had a shot of whiskey on Conan three days before the fight. Mm. That's where your mind's at, you know, before the biggest fight of your life. Against a man who you would probably assume doesn't drink. Um, ever. <laughs> possibly ever. Yeah. Um, possibly. Right. There's no way he ever yeah, has. No, no, no. But, I mean, for, for me, man, like, it's funny you say about the burnout thing because I was actually talking to um, some people on the way over here and we were talking about, I, I said to you, you know, I don't know. Did I mention my live live TV here? Was uh, this the network television executives that were with you on the way over? Talking about or that. was this the people, the, your handlers that I had to work through to make sure that you still showed up over here? My handlers. So <laughs> I was saying to them that, uh, you know, in the live TV, they'd mentioned Ali and stuff like that. And then you talk about Ali and you think about his relationship with Frazier. And that, that rivalry is looked back on now as this iconic, not just combat sports thing. Ali Frazier is coined as the the ultimate rivalry in any. any oh, absolutely! Anything. That's the that's the iconic rivalry. It's right? pop culture. Yeah, but Khabib McGregor will never be remembered by the like that. And in my opinion, that's because it was too nasty. It was too. You could just. And uh, okay, I agree. Look, I wasn't there for the sixties. I know Ali Frazier was dark. I know it was it was bad. Right. I wasn't there, but for me at least, when I watched Conor and Khabib interact at any level or to even discuss each other the unmitigated hate they had for each other it's not very palpable as an audience you know it kind of unnerves you it's not you know everyone loves a rivalry yeah. I love John Jones Daniel Cormier you know I love Nate and Connor I loved Aldo and Connor but Khabib and Connor just something about it felt like it was different man it, it was different it, it, 
it felt like weapons would become involved yeah. if they could, you know. Now, like you said, I, I look at Connor and I do I do believe I believe Connor regrets that. Not because hmm. of what he said, not because of his actions. I believe he regrets it because he didn't give his fucking best shot. Right. You know, I believe he it, I'd, is he lying there kicking himself at night? No. Probably not. But does he think... No, the silk sheets keep the... the, 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 the <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 that, that helps the nightmares. But d- does he think like, oh, I'd love to show these people. Oh, I'd love to I show bet. them, you know. I don't know, man. So, I never was really into the rematch, really at all, to be honest. Just because... I know I wasn't either. Uh, but I, I wasn't either. You know me. You yeah, know me I, really I, well. I, I we've had for, so I, many yeah, conversations yeah, not on the yeah, air. Yeah, to, to people listening, like, the people, like, when you just said, like, you know, you were warming up to it, I was really surprised because John has never been anything other than, yeah. like, fuck that. But I really think if Connor could just, if it could be an athletic contest. Yes. And, and like, again, we've spoken about this off the air. I fucking, t- I'm telling you, dude, that was not. Connor at his best. Like, yeah. if you look at his body, watch, look at his physical shape as he gets in the cage. He's soft. He has no definition to his muscle. The guy has clearly just been, and he still did better than most of the others. Yeah, I would love to see it as an athletic endeavor. I think that's where I'll leave it. I just would love to see it. I, I, re- I really think I'm there. I, I, hate, I, I know this is bizarre, but I'm there with you, man. I really, I really agree. It was everything around it, and it was all those things that you said that made me feel this wasn't it Connor. Al- it also this ha- wasn't Connor. It also happened at the height of his. He was off the Mayweather fight. You know, yeah. he's at the height of his, like, oh my God, I'm fucking unreal. You know, he's missed the sport. He, the re- another part of me that wants to see the rematch is because. You know he's not gonna fuck it twice. Like if he if he has if he's got an opportunity, he's gonna go for it. Yep. And I think he said it in an interview like, "I saw the best of me, saw the worst of me. I want to see the best of the best." You know, and that's where I'm at. I, and like you, I, I really I I'm getting to the point now where I think if Connor it let Dana keeps saying this, and I've always brushed it off as bullshit. If Connor does go out there and just fucking destroys Dustin, if he does go out there and just, like just land something and just knocks him out clean, dude, what else is there? We have to see it, you know? Dude, all right, now I'm just going to get crazy. Now I'm going to get crazy. Connor goes out there and does something spectacular. Habib says, all right, I'll take this fight. You're going to give me $100 million? How can I turn down $100 million? I can change lives. I can fund my team for the rest of existence. I'm going to do it. But, Jesus, that Connor guy is so overrated. He's terrible. He's whatever. And then he goes out there and goes 29-1. and one. And then he's got to come back and be 100%. Well, yeah, and then I mean, we get the trilogy, baby. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's, never, that's never addressed. Dude, everyone's like, how big would number two be? I'm like, number two? How big is number How three going to be? <laughs> That's <laughs> fucking off the chain, dude. That, that, like, uh, it, 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 if Connor slept, Khabib, if Connor, it, I mean, dude, it's funny. What were you talking about? We talked, Daniel Cormier was, uh, okay, now everyone's going to read into my fandom here, as it were. And I definitely don't have any allegiances. None. But when Daniel, <laughs> Cormier, when Daniel Cormier was talking about Khabib showed no fear in his fight against Justin Gaethje, he showed no fear. Yes. Just march forward. I agree with that. And he said, oh, he showed no, ca- no fear in the Connor fight. 
I don't know, man. Like, okay, okay, maybe I'm, I might be being ridiculous, but I felt there were times in the, the initial stage of the first round when they were on the feet, the, the fight first started, I felt Khabib was backing up, and I could hear Javier Mendez losing his fucking mind. I agree. And I think in round three, Khabib didn't really know what to do either. And I, I, I'm not saying it's fear. That's it's not fear, but you're right. I think it's trepidation. It's concern. Yeah. It's consideration. I, you're right. Justin Gage, I was like, oh, oh my God. Khabib didn't give a fuck. He, if, zero. He might not have oh, been Oh, you're the hardest hitter. You're yeah. the whatever. Let's go. Dustin Poirier, the same. I think at least, maybe because it was a build-up, maybe it was the pressure, I think at least Khabib was like, maybe it wasn't fear. Maybe it was like, I just can't lose to this guy. That might be more what it was. But I, I don't know. I don't know. There's, Oof. there's some. See, listen to us fucking selling this fight for these bitches. Fight <laughs> Island has screwed our brains, dude. That's yeah. all it is. Because they didn't do two for one <laughs> in this fucking bar. <laughs> all right, let me. Uh, all right, so I, I promised I would say what I'd heard behind the scenes on this uh, piracy thing. I, I want to throw that out there real quick because I had promised I'd say it, uh, and I got so excited. I mean, uh, a network television star walks in uh, to the office here at Stills, and you just oh, you get all excited. I get flustered. What you know. Uh, all right, so here's so here's what I heard. So when he said we got somebody, we're what I heard is that they literally have been working with the FBI and have identified a streamer and are literally, like, camped outside this dude's door just ha- waiting for him to turn on the stream. Or her. I, didn't, I, I shouldn't assume that it's a him. Him or her to him, turn though. on the stream. Probably him, <laughs> And literally, like, as soon as the stream goes live, like, this, this dude will be arrested. Because the law changed. And, again, I, I'd mentioned before, you, you know, wh- while you were busy doing your live hit, um, yep. that, you know, you know, it was kind of you that brought up the piracy thing this week and, and, or two weeks ago and got Dana started, and then we've kind of followed the story since. Um, and, and we had a little discussion with him off the air uh, afterwards uh, where we were kind of like, so what exactly changed? And he was like, it's the law. And I'd kind of forgotten about that, that, you know, th- some federal laws have been passed, you know, basically where this thing gets into a, a big, big deal. So, my understanding is the UFC has been working closely with the FBI, and they have identified somebody that has streamed in the past and that <laughs> is set to stream this weekend. And it's basically somebody that was so brazen as to go after Dana. Like, the people that went on Dana's uh, you know, Instagram, Instagram were like, oh, by the way, I'm streaming away, bitch. And, and, and my understanding is, like, Dana gave that to his people and was like, I don't care who it is, but find one of them and let's, let's put them in jail. John, how important would you rate your source on that story? Uh, my source has pretty good knowledge. My, my source is a high-ranking official. I yeah. uh, can't really share much more than that, but, uh, you know, I, I feel pretty confident in, in his or her knowledge of the situation. Uh, and so my understanding is, yes, uh, they are basically camped outside of somebody's door uh, and are, are basically just watching and surveilling this <laughs> do person. Think, do you think when the FBI kicks <laughs> open the door and drags this guy out of his room in front of his wife and kids, they go, hey. Dana White says hello. <laughs> <laughs> Throw him in the back of the van. <laughs> fucking thing over his head. So that's the thing I heard when he said uh, that we got somebody. That's what he means. Is basically like we're we're definitely like we're on somebody right now. We're taking one out at a time. And that's then they be crazy. they put a blanket over their head. They wake up in Vegas and Dana White's just sitting there going, "So you want to be a fucking streamer? <laughs> How great would that be? Like, no. Uh, oh, I, I'm sorry. When you I thought you were working with the FBI to arrest them. No, 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 no. We we actually weren't working with the FBI to arrest them. Uh, we actually just worked with a guy. Uh, I just want him. Just, yeah, just, <laughs> just bring him to him. me. Yeah. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, listen, we spent a lot of time talking about the main event because why wouldn't you? But you know what? I'll give you a lot of credit. Um, I, I know that obviously you you know your world kind of circles around um, the Mac life and, and Conor McGregor. But listen, 
I, I can hear in your voice as well, Michael Chandler versus Dan Hooker. You're, you're pretty damn pumped about And uh, you mentioned it, uh, Dan Hooker won the press conference today in a lot of ways. He was uh, throwing out the Charlie Olives quote saying <laughs> yes, that, he was. that this guy should be able to make weight. You know, he's, he's uh, I've got brooms that are thicker than this guy. Um, you know, he did say, listen, and, and I don't think he was lying when he talked about, listen, I think my style is bad for Michael Chandler, man. I've got, you know, I'm long, I'm tall. Uh, and, and I've heard him say this before, and it's so true. I think he told us the other day uh, when he was in the, in the media room, he's like, dude, do you know how long I've been facing wrestlers who want to take me down? He's like, this is literally like every person that's ever fought me is like, well, I don't want to stand and strike with this long rangey dude, so yeah. let me take him down. He's like, I'm ready for this. Um, and again, man, you watch those highlights of, of, of Dan Hooker. You know, love Michael Chandler, man, an absolute beast. You know, this is somebody that I've been following his career for a long time. Uh, but, you know, his size, I mean, Michael Chandler is a thick, powerful guy. He's not tall. Dude, those knees of, of Dan Hooker are going are, are gonna to have the possibility of finding the chin real easy. I would say if I didn't have a vested interest in the main event or if the stakes weren't so high for the main event, I would probably be as excited for this. In, in terms of pure MMA, as excited for the co-main as I am for the main. I yep. think it's a sensational fight. I'll even give you a bit of inside baseball. I bumped into Iron Roddy right before I did my live TV hit where I was a superstar. I bumped into Iron <laughs> Roddy and we were chatting away. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm really psyched for the, uh, the co-main. And he was like, oh, I'm real, I'm real. He's like, and Michael looks so composed today. And then he said, you know, he's like, and Dan, I was like, Dan Hooker's great at the press conference. He's like, oh, he's fucking amazing. And he went, and he's like, you know the best thing about it? He just doesn't give a fuck. And he's, right. like, he's like, you know he's going to go in there and just fucking have it. Yeah. Which I was like, it was cool to hear that from a coach, you know. Yeah. Oh, and Roddy's like super down to earth. So it's not, nah, outra yeah. it's not outrageous. But to, like, to hear, you know, we do this as a job. But sometimes I think maybe my punditry is not the best. But when you hear a coach echo your thoughts, like, oh, no, that guy is just going to fucking go in there. Yep. And I think everyone talks about the opportunity of being on a McGregor card. For me personally, being on the ground this week, I don't think anyone sees that more than Dan. Right. I really think Dan's profile has risen a lot. I think his personality shone through a lot. I think people are starting to realize he's not always that serious. I think he's great. I man. think I, I, if anybody, anybody that's a hardcore listener of the show that's listened for a long time has known we featured Dan on here a lot. Yeah, it's because I I love that guy's fighting style and his personality. Yeah, I think man. I think Dan Hooker is legit. Like, it, let's say he doesn't win this fight or whatever. Donald Cerrone's time in the UFC is coming to an end. This guy's going to be the next Cerrone. I agree. Fan favorite that you cannot hate. Like, I think Dan Hooker is a fucking awesome guy, and I like Michael Chandler too. I've dealt with Michael Chandler this like a bunch. Oh, he's the best. He's super cool, very informative, very professional. I really love that fight. That's the personality side. I just don't really see how it's not going to be a banger. Like if he was over five rounds, I could maybe say, well, Michael will take him down for the last two, like when the cardio starts to fade. But man, I don't know how you watch that Dustin Dan Hooker fight and not think like, and you don't watch the Dan Hooker Dustin fight and you don't watch the Michael Chandler Eddie Alvarez fights and don't think like, well. This is going to be fucking brutal. Yep. And I love it. And I cannot wait for it. I'm really excited for that fight. Dude, it's, I think it's going to be a phenomenal fight. I was, I was, uh, I don't know, man. I'm pumped for both of those. I was telling you today, man, we were sitting there and I'm like, man, I see these four guys on the stage. I'm hoping we get back to back bangers, man. man I, yeah, I think, we, I, yeah, actually, I'm not to interrupt. I, you said to me, I want Kelvin Izzy, uh, Dustin, Max. Yep. I think I'll do, I don't know if the main's going to be a banger. I feel like the main. Is gonna be shocking if Connor goes. One way or the other. One way or the other. If Connor goes out there and sleeps him, it's gonna be like, damn, he just did that to Dustin Poirier. If Dustin goes out there and wins, so like, oh, Dustin won. And if he goes out and there, it's a war. It's gonna be a great fight. 
So I feel like the main's guaranteed like box office. The co-main, dude. I think that's that's where the blood and guts is going to be. I love it, man. And listen, it's going to be. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be a great fight card. The first first pay-per-view of the year, and then of course uh, we get a week off when we head back home, uh, and then of course we start the grind back in Vegas. Uh, I, I believe we'll be able to sneak in a, and a half, depending on how the schedule works. We don't even know exactly when our flight leaves yet, but we'll, we'll be able to sneak in a little something. Uh, sure. I'd, I'd be happy to do an and a half. I, I imagine the adrenaline will be a little high. I don't think there's going to be an after party. Well, anyway, no, no. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Oh, man, I'm really excited. Dude, I'll tell you what, man. With Connor cards like that, that Cerrone Connor card, pretty shit, to be honest with you. This one, not so bad. There's a couple of fights in there that I'm really looking forward to. I, I would like to see Jessica I fight Jojo Calderwood. I mean, that 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 interests me a lot. Oh, those two are going back. Those, those two are going back and forth a little bit. Can't wait to see the scales on that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> you got Amanda Hebus on the main card as well. Against, uh, By the way, uh, Marina Rodriguez you know, may not get a lot of love, but just as a fighter, man, I think her style is fantastic. Now, I think she may be in some uh, a world of difficulty. Amanda Hebus was telling us she wants to stand up and strike. I think she's bluffing. I don't think she wants to stand up and strike against Marina Rodriguez. Well, she I might until she gets jabbed in the face, and then uh, it's a bit like Mackenzie Dern. Like, yeah, I agree. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But as you said, Calderwood and I—they've got, they've got. I mean, they've got. There's real heat between the two. I mean, there's, there's definitely heat. Uh, Ottman, uh, Zaitar, and Matt Frivola. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes, man. Those could be. Those. I mean, Frivola is always in exciting fights. Ottman's, you know, USC debuts have been amazing. And of course, it's kicked off by Hebus and Rodriguez. Um, Prelims, Nazrat Hakparas versus Armand Saruk, and I love that fight. Underrated fight there, man. If you haven't been paying attention to these guys, do it. Uh, Shoeface and Brad Tavares, man. That's a man. great Two fight, dude. That is a great Dude, what happened to Shoeface, man? He was on the rise. I man, know, just, man. Love that's a great that fight. fight. Look, our boy Khalil Roundtree's on there. Yeah, Juliana Pena's returning against Sarah McMahon. Less impressed. Dude, come on, man. It's going to be a great fight. Uh Listen, you, uh, I, I apologize, but Oscar Willis's people are telling me he has to leave. We've gone well over the allotted underlay, time. Underlay. He's got to get on to the next appointment. Uh, the Mac Life is the center of the universe at this point. And really, to be honest with you, I just pray that we get nominated alongside you next year at the World MMA Awards. It's been an honor being associated with Do you for this long. Do we own those yet? Or what, what's I, going on? We'll see what happens. In the meantime, we'll just everybody go over to patreon.com slash MMA Roadshow. Support us over there. We'll have the and a half. And for everybody else, that was weak. Thanks for listening. <laughs>